I greet you in the only name that really matters, and that is the name of Jesus. The Bible declares that it is at that name that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. Would you quickly do one thing for me, if you can? Would you please stand on your feet, please, if you can stand on your feet just for a minute. Uh, we do that in reference to the fact that the Word is about to be preached. That's number one. And number two, when I go back to the hood, I want to tell everybody I had all the white folks up on their feet. <laughs> it's a pleasure to come to the Woodland Hills Church. My friend, Dr. Y'all know, if, if you don't know, I'm not well. Just, just, just bear with me. I haven't had my medicine this evening, but it'll be all right, I promise you. It's a pleasure to come, um, and I'm honored again to come and to share. Thank you for the invitation, Pastor, and we're praying for you. And you guys, I don't know what y'all doing up here, but y'all know how to do church right up here. Every time I come, I see the Lord is doing some great things around this place. And it's not about the aesthetics of the building, but the fact that Christ is being exalted. And his name is above every name. And I want to applaud you for the great work that the Lord Jesus Christ is doing at the Woodland Hills Church. Uh, pray for my wife. We are headed, uh, we are both retired now. And uh, we're headed to Chicago. So y'all pray for me. They say you can't carry up there. Uh, <laughs> that's what they say, but... You know, you know, just pray, pray for me that the Lord will keep us along, along the way. Pastor called and asked uh, how would I come to the city, what would be my mode of travel? Did I want to fly or, uh, you know? So I told him, I said, no, we'll drive because I believe what the book says. Lo, I'll be with you always. <laughs> if you have your Bible, there is this saged word that is ever living, Psalm 23. I don't know if I've attempted to preach from this passage, but if I did, everything I said then was wrong. Uh, there has been great revelation that the Lord has shared, and actually I'm doing my first uh, book rendering from this psalm Psalm 23. I think you all know that one by heart. This is the one you, you taught your children when they did their first Easter speech or Christmas recital. It captures the attention of our hearts. We've read it. We've rehearsed it. We've remembered it. It has constrained me in my aggressions because there were times when I was ready to get in the flesh, but Psalms 23 jumped up and held me. Now, don't y'all look at me like I'm the only one who's been there and done that. You know, when you're close to the point where your button is about to be pushed, you need a scripture. And Psalms 23 is the one I remembered at the time. And that's the one 
that has calmed me the most. It has consoled us in our afflictions. We've gone to and from the graveyard with Psalms 23. It has wiped away our tears. It has helped us in our moments of terror. And it has been with us throughout the trials of life. And so here it is. If you would just stand and quote it with me. You don't have to look at your Bible because if you spent any time at Woodland Hills, you know Psalms 23. Let us recite it together. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not walk. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemy. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let us pray. Father, we thank you tonight for the moments we have. We pray, Lord, that you would give clarity to your word, give receiving to the hearts of your people. And then, Lord, after the word has been preached, not James said we shouldn't be just hearers, but doers of your word. So, Lord, put wheels on your word that we will put in action what you have shared in our hearts. And because it is all about you, we'll be careful to give you the praise in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Tonight, I want to speak from this subject, the pastoral care of the shepherd. The pastoral care of the shepherd. When you explore when you, through the lens of the Hubble telescope, we explore the unreachable. We see things that we cannot see with the natural eye. It helps us bring into focus that which is obscure and far off. That's what the telescope does for us. But with the Janssen microscope, we, we examine the undetectable because the truth is there can be fresh revelation under our nose, but without careful prayer and study into the Word of God, we can miss the nuggets that God has for us. And it is here through the lens of David that we envision the unexplainable. We're going to look at the height, the death, and the breath of a shepherd from a shepherd's perspective. When we meet David, David is being summoned by Samuel in his daddy's house because he is now being anointed as king. And while Samuel was looking over the other brothers, 
David was in the field working with sheep. It is here that David brings to us this perspective about what shepherding is all about. It's a heart search. It was motivated by his exposure, his experience that he's had with God. Let me just pause and just put this in the gumbo tonight. There are some folk you don't listen to because they haven't walked in your shoes and they haven't been where you have been. Let me put it this way. There were two ladies in the beauty shop one day helping another lady, they thought, out and telling her how she should handle her husband. And they were giving her a earful. And I was ear hustling. Not in the business, but just listening. But they invited me into the business. And when they finished discussing with the young lady what she should do with her husband, they said, Reverend, what you think? And I looked at the young lady, I said, baby, don't listen to anybody who didn't keep their own husband. And sometimes there are those who want to share much about the revelation of God, but haven't spent any time with the shepherd of the word. Do y'all hear me tonight? David shows us what his, where his heart is. It's in Psalms 23 that we get information, illumination, and inspiration. The cause that David has for us tonight comes from his coronation because God is anointing him to be king. Or could it be it came from his complication because when you have oil on you, the enemy gets busy. And Saul had a jealous spirit and Saul was trying to destroy the anointing that's in David's life, but when you're in the shepherd's hand and you remember what Jesus says, you're in my hands and you're in the Father's hands and no man can pluck you out. Now, I'm from the hood. I'm used to a amen. So chunk me one every now and then. It is here David could be contemplating what it would be to ascend to a higher throne. He gives us this life word, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And I'm going to dive into this. This is a long sermon, and I want you to get home uh, before Captain Kangaroo come on in the morning. Now, you've got to be old to know who Captain <laughs> Kangaroo is. Verse 1. Can I take a bite of the apple? Verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. What we see, first of all, in the pastoral care of the shepherd, we see the providential care of the shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. In the original Hebrew, the verb is not there. It is simply the Lord, my shepherd. It implies that an ownership is attested. 
the Lord, Kyrios, commander, that he is this creator, controller, and conqueror. Amen. Who is the Lord? You've been singing about him tonight. He's creator. He simply said, let that be. And something came out from nothing and hung on his word. He's controller. You know, we are, we, are, we are inundated with these things. What are we going to do with a pandemic? What are we going to do with, with monkey pox? I don't know what it is, but it sounds like something I don't want. <laughs> but I'm not going to be flustered because the Lord is controller. The last time I checked, he still got the whole world in his hand. And he is conqueror. His ownership is attested. The Lord, my shepherd, the relationship is affirmed. He is my shepherd. Hold it. Y'all missed a shout. He's my shepherd. He's my shepherd. I, I claim him by relationship but I cannot claim him as my own because your testimony is he's your shepherd too. Do y'all hear me? We have an identity with him. We have intimacy with him. He is my shepherd. The relationship is affirmed. But here's a goodie. I shall not want the conservatorship is a sign. Y'all. Come on now. Duh. It says that whatever problem that comes my way, that can be a reassignment. I sign power of attorney and put it in his hands. Y'all don't hear me. And because we reassign it, what we can do is resign from it. How many of you who are in trouble because you tried to fix what only God can fix? And the more you mess with it, the more you messed it up. But I got one more goodie. You reassign, you resign, but guess what you can do? You can recline. Y'all missing this. You know, if I was across the track, they'd be getting with it right by now, kicking that pig. When you can put it in God's hands, you don't have to worry about it. How many of you really know that when you turn it over to the Lord, that he can really fix it? The providential care of the shepherd. Verse 2 and 3 is the personal care of the shepherd. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. What is this personal care? It's twofold. It begins, first of all, with the movement of the sheep. The movement of the sheep. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. See, the shepherd understood that rest 
was essential for the sheep. And there were four things that the sheep needed to get rest. Number one, they needed to be free from fear. Number two, they had to be free from flies. Number three, they had to be free from frustration. And number four, they had to be free from friction. Do you hear me? The sheep needed rest. And when the shepherd provides those things, he's able to lie down in green pastures. That's his rest. But we also see the sheep's refreshing. He, uh, he leadeth me beside the still or the quiet waters. And uh, the reason for that is, is that dehydration becomes an issue of frustration for the sheep. And sheep are not the sharpest tacks in the box. And so the shepherd has to dig out an area if there is no pit, no, no cistern. They have to dig out an area where a sheep can drink from quiet water. Not only must it be still water, but it must be clear water because any bad water will call a dysentery. And you wonder why folks smell the way they do. <laughs> Are y'all with me? The movement of the sheep, that's verse two. And verse three is the management of the sheep. He restoreth my soul. There is a picture. There is a picture, you should see it, the picture of a cast sheep. Is it up there? The cast sheep, the cast sheep. That's the sheep that's, that's on its back. It's on its back, and guess what it cannot do? He cannot get up by himself. So what does a sheep do? He flails. He's frustrated. He's fearful. And on his back, because he cannot get up, his blood circulation, because he's pressing against blood veins, they will cause him to become paralyzed. Gases will build up in his stomach, which will cause a form of asphyxiation. Y'all don't hear me. The sheep cannot get up by himself. And so what the shepherd does, he has to keep watch. And when he sees a sheep flailing, he has to come, and he just can't come and pick the sheep up based on the time that he's been on his back. He has to massage him. He has to resuscitate him. He has to help him up. Anybody here know when you've been on your back that the only person can get you up is the Lord? That God is your shepherd and he helps you in turbulent times. How does he do it? How does he keep sheep? Just picked him up, 
and he turned around and he's on his back again. The shepherd understands that sometimes fleecing is good for the sheep. He has to cut away the heaviness of wool, and it's not just wool, but you know when the sheep goes to the restroom, everything kind of stays with him. I'm sorry, <laughs> but that's what happens. And he has this buildup, and he has to cut away the fleece. Anybody here can testify how God had to cut some stuff away from you so that you can really appreciate who he is? That is the personal care of the shepherd in the movement of the sheep, in the management of the sheep. There is restoration, but then there is relocation. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. I was raised in a Pentecostal church, but let me just tell you, they got this one wrong. I was under the impression that God's going to lead us in a, in, a, in a process of sanctification. But you know what David is really saying? He's saying that every now and then sheep re need relocation because, number one, they don't know when to move. Number two, they don't know where to move. Number three, they don't know why they are moving. And number four, they don't know the worth of moving. Y'all, here it is. Can I help y'all? Why, when is it time for a sheep to move? The shepherd understands that if the sheep stays even in a green pasture long enough, the sheep has the propensity to make the pasture a desert place because he'll eat everything up to the root. And so he has to move the sheep along. Are y'all with me? He knows when. He knows where. He knows why. And he knows the worth of moving. The personal care of the shepherd. Verse 4, we got two more hours. <laughs> Just check it. Verse 4 is the pivotal care, the crisis care of the shepherd. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, let me give you this nugget. This is the truth about trouble. That's not deep. Some of y'all been watching TBN too long. You've been listening to some Bill Cream had preaching. That show ain't your pastor. <laughs> And he's been saying to you, brother, it's your season, you know. And the Lord has a blessing for you. It's your season. And you know what? He is right. But what he has not identified is which season you are in. Because the last time I checked, there are four. 
winter, spring, summer, all. And so when you say it's your season, you are in one of those seasons. Winter is the dead season where stuff dries up. It has to die so new life can come forth. Spring is the berry season. You got to break the ground and plant and wait on God. Summer is the breaking forth. It's not fruit yet, but you can see it coming. And then there is the harvest season, fall. Are y'all with me now? And you see, there are some folk who want to tell you that you will never have trouble. The book says many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers from them all. Andre Crouch put it this way, if I never had a problem, I wouldn't know that God could solve them, and I'd never know what faith in God could do. David is talking about, in this truth about trouble, he's talking about the depths of life. Yea, though I walk through the valley. And all of us will have valley experiences. I don't care what your name claim. You can blab it, grab it, call it, and haul it. But if you live long enough, you're going to see your degree of trouble. You're going to see depths. You're going to see times of darkness, the shadow of death. But you know, the last time I checked, you cannot comprehend darkness without the casting of a light. The shadow, you don't get a shadow unless there is a absence of light. It's like pulling teeth in here. You've got to have light. And let me help you here. The greater the darkness, the more defined the light. Some years ago, went to Georgetown. In Georgetown, while they were building Interstate 35 from Austin area to Dallas-Fort Worth, they, they came across a cave. They were... They were putting pilings in to put a bridge over a railroad track, and they lost a bit, only to discover that they had hit a cave. They rerouted the freeway and built a cave and excavated the cave, and now it's an attraction site. It's called Interspace. And in the, when we took my family there years ago to visit, Got down to the bottom of the cave, and the tour guide said, everybody get together. And in the cave, they turned all the lights off. And when you're a mile or so in the, in the cave, when the lights are off, guess what? It's dark, y'all. In the cave, all of y'all look just like me. In the cave. And it was dark, so dark, that I'm waving my hand and saw nothing. But I remember my son had a little $3 watch on from Walgreens. 
And I asked him, said, Michael, what time is it? Not because I wanted to know what time it was. I knew that there was a light on that little watch. And guess what I discovered? That when Michael lit up that little watch, it lit up the whole area. Y'all don't hear me. Just a little light will chase away darkness. When you go through your dark places, Jesus is the light. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and death represents the dangers that you will face. And all of us will face them. There are how many deaths that we've had because of COVID, stuff we didn't understand and couldn't see coming. Death will come. But Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Give him some praise. The pivotal care of the shepherd. We learn the truth about trouble. But in the midst of trouble, we can make a triumphant testimony. I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. I will fear no evil. That's a positive profession. I will fear no evil is a prohibition against panic. That word fear, you hear me? He's saying, I won't panic. Can I help somebody here tonight? Chill, it, chill out. Turn it over to Jesus. Stop worrying about it. Don't panic. Trust God. Do you hear me? And then he says there's a power in the presence. I think I've shared this story some years ago, 1961 to be exact. Uh, we went on our, as a family, we went on our only one vacation. Only one. And my daddy loaded us up in a 1958 Oldsmobile. My dad, my mama, and it was uh, eight sisters and brothers. And it wasn't a station wagon. <laughs> and our final stop on our vacation was in Chicago. And my eldest brother lived in a high rise. It was the projects. <laughs> Somewhere around the 22nd floor, I believe. And my brother that's a year older, we hooked up with the little boys in the high rise, in the project. And running down the stairs, uh, racing to see who's gonna be first. And I'm running until we got to that corridor where the lights were off. And I pumped my brakes and everybody else kept running in the dark, but I don't do dark good. <laughs> so I went and get on the elevator, go down a couple of more floors and pick it up. But when I got there, I was last because I was too afraid to walk in the dark. When we got ready to leave Chicago, my dad was waiting at the elevator, but he got impatient, decided he'd walk. And I said, I'm gonna walk with him. We were doing all right till we got to that dark area again. They hadn't fixed the lights. But what do you do now? 
I couldn't run in the dark with my brothers, my brother and the other fellas because I was afraid. But when my daddy was with me, I held up my hand. He understood that I needed somebody to hold my hand. And I went through the valley of darkness, confident because my father was with me. Now, if y'all don't shout about that, I can't help you. <laughs> the truth about trouble, the triumphant testimony, but then David gives us the tools for the trade. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. The rod is the counteractive force for the wolves, the jackals, the lions, the bear, the serpents, is counteractive. It's like that 357 you carry in your pickup. <laughs> it's counteractive. That's what the rod is. But the staff is the connective force. Because every now and then, I don't need to be delivered from my enemy. I need to be delivered from the enemy. There are times when I get too close to the edge of things and the shepherd reaches out and hooks me back in. Y'all yeah. yeah. <laughs> missed it again. That's the connective force. But then there is the collaborative force. Thy rod and thy staff, they are working together. Are y'all with me? And they're bringing about a corrective force. And when the psalmist says, they comfort me, and David is saying, sometimes I need the caressing of the shepherd. But then, every now and then, I need the chastisement of the shepherd. Y'all don't hear me. If, if my, I think my mama read this verse well. You know, because if I didn't get three whoopings a day, something was wrong with her. You know, and the book said, whom the Lord loveth, he corrects, he chastises. The pivotal care of the shepherd. Verse 5, I'm almost through, two more hours. <laughs> the provisional care of the shepherd. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemy. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Thou preparest a table before me is the preparation because the shepherd has to select a ground on a plateau, a mesa, an area that's high where grass is lush. It's not a table, it's a plateau. It's a place that has been selected, that has been seeded and weeded. Do you hear me? Uh, it is 
and it's, it's a place that he has prepared, but it's not one place. Remember, it's seasonal because he don't want you to eat it to the root. Do you hear me? There's a preparation. There is a protection. He does it in the presence of my enemy. There are those, those forces that would devour you, that will hurt you and harm you but God is protecting you. There is prescription. He anoints my head with oil. Now, what we want to do is make this uh, mystical and uh, that this oil is the anointing of the Lord. It wasn't nothing but sad. <laughs> Something, to, and guess what he did it for? He did it because the sheep would get injury, infestation, Something, it's ingested. Are y'all with me now? Because flies and murrin and all of that stuff, he put the grease on him uh, to keep pests away. Every now and then, sheep get just like y'all, start butting heads with each other <laughs> and injure one another. And so he put salve on you that's prescription, y'all. The brother we prayed for tonight, the doctor said they can't find what's wrong. Do y'all hear me now? Can I give y'all my testimony? Some few years ago, the doctors looked at my heart and said I needed immediate surgery because I had what they had, I would, the, the, the blockage was in that area where they called it a widow maker. And in less than five days, he scheduled surgery for me. But I went to church that Sunday morning. And we came down and gave it to the Lord. And here's my testimony. The doctor probed my heart for 45 minutes. And what he saw the week before, he didn't see it anymore. God is a healer. And then my cup running over. Those are the portions. You know, sheep don't carry cups. Y'all do know that. They don't drink coffee. Cup is really the word for portion. Can I shout y'all? It simply says that whatever need you have, he's going to meet your need. And he's going to meet your need because he is more than enough. Verse 6, y'all can breathe silently now, is the perpetual care of the shepherd. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The perpetual care begins with the accompaniment. Surely, goodness and mercy. Y'all can call them G and M. Goodness and mercy. And in the Hebrew, goodness is the word for prosperity. And mercy is the word for pity. Y'all missed that. 
God has prosperity, and prosperity is not defined by a lot of stuff. It's having a whole lot of God. And, he, and God meets all of your needs, and he supplies them well. But along with his gifts, he gives you mercy, pity, because you need it. Because you know you're not all of that. If it, wasn't, if it wasn't for the grace of God, where would we be? And he says, prosperity and pity is pursuing me. Everywhere I go, I've got, I've got two buddies with me. And not Smith and Weston, but grace and mercy. The accompaniment the assignment. They are with me all the days of my life. And guess what? You can go to bed and sleep good tonight because goodness and mercy, they are two partners working together, watching over you all night long and will see you through until that day you see him. And then here is the arrangement the psalmist said, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And how can we do that? Because of the promises he made, the provisions he gave, the pathway he laid, and the price he paid. What is this pastoral care? It is providential care, it's personal care, it's pivotal care, it's provisional care, it's perpetual care. Now, if I was across the track, this would be an E-flat and we'd be getting down the road. But can I, can I give you the rest of the story? Can I share with you the rest of the story? This is why we need a shepherd. Surely, he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, and the chastisements of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. And the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. I don't know about you, but I still need a shepherd. And my testimony is, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And you know what you can shout about? When they hung him high, the shepherd of shepherds died for the sheep that we may have life and have life more abundantly. I rest my case.